Welcome to the Big Kid Show. I am your fearless leader, Big Nick, and thank you for kicking it, even if it's just for a little bit with us. Today, joining me as usual are my good friends and yours, Mr. B and Mr. Mark. Gentlemen, welcome in. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Hey. And welcome in to our listeners. If you love the big kids, make sure you subscribe to our wonderful show so you never miss an episode. And please take 30 seconds and leave us a five-star review. It really helps the show. And if you want to follow us on social, you can follow us at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, even MySpace, all at The Big Kids Show. (laughs) (laughs) All right, big kids, today is going to be a fun one. And that's because today, boys and girls, we will be playing Rank 'em. This is where us, the big kids, pick a topic and place votes, and we punch our ballots and put them into the big kid computer. And cha ching, we get the results and deliver them to you in the ever popular countdown to number one. Before we get started, big kids, I would like to introduce a man that should need no introduction. Mr. William James Murray, better known to TV and movie watchers everywhere by his more informal title, Bill Murray. Mr. Murray's probably one of the greatest comedic actors of our time, so we are excited to be honoring him here today. Bill Murray was born and raised in Illinois and is reported to love all things Chicago and Illinois, especially when it comes to sports. I believe he is one of nine children. That's right. That's a whole lot of mouths to feed. He's known for his deadpan delivery. Bill first rose to fame on the legendary show Saturday Night Live and then went on to star in dozens of comedy movies. In 1978, Bill Murray appeared in Two At-Bats for the Grays Harbor Loggers Minor League Baseball team. And he scored one hit, giving Mr. Murray a professional baseball lifetime batting average of 500. In the 1980s, he was known for his legendary work starring in a string of box office hits, working alongside the late, great Harold Ramis. And he would spend the next three decades making hit movies. Today, he is part owner of the St. Paul Saints, a minor league baseball team who I was lucky enough to see them thrash my beloved Columbus Clippers twice last year. The man has spent a lot of time busting ghosts, hunting gophers, and bowling near-perfect games. In short, Mr. Murray has worked his way to legendary status. So today, big kids, we count down the best Bill Murray movies of all time. But first, one of my favorite Bill Murray quotes. In a 2016 interview, Bill said, quote, I don't like people that complain about being famous, but I say to people, hey, You want to be rich and famous? Try being rich and see if that doesn't cover most of it for you. Wise words. Now, the votes have been tallied, and only I, the host, know the final rankings. So with all of that out of the way, let's get ready to play. Let's dive right in, and today we will be starting with the number nine spot. And that's because we have a three-way tie for number nine. So... That's right, big kids. Each receiving five votes we have. Lost in translation, meatballs, and quick change. (laughs) 
I had two of those three. <laughs> oh man, a three-way tie. That's that's interesting. That's a first, I think. In uh, yes, that is. I think I might have been the only one with quick change on my top ten list. I, I was a little it. shocked that nobody else had that one. That I don't was. Think I even know of that movie. It's a bank robbery movie, and I am a I'm a sucker for bank robbery movies. And okay. uh, Bill Murray is involved in the heist, and I believe that that is his only attempt at directing. Hmm. Well, this show is notorious for putting movies on my watch list, so I have to add that to uh, to my own watch list. And that one, it it vaguely rings a bell, but I'm not I'm not sure if I if I've seen it. it, I don't think that I've seen that movie in almost 30 years, so I don't know that I can vouch for how great it is. I just remember I liked it when I was when I was younger. Randy Quaid is in it. Um, No, which one's the funny one? Dennis or Randy? Randy. Randy. Randy Quaid is in it. Yeah. I, you can't tell those Quaid boys apart. <laughs> All right. So at number nine, a three-way tie, Lost in Translation, Meatballs, and Quick Change. That brings us to number eight with seven votes is Zombieland, oh. which is another one that I was surprised. I didn't see that on your boys' list. Ooh, I did well, not put that one there, but I that was one where it was uh, the cameo, right? I mean, it was a, it was a short quick burst from bill murray but obviously a quality burst a quality cameo a quality yeah. burst <laughs> as they quality say in the biz yeah, right. i'd be curious to see actually how much screen time he had on that i mean it's got to be yeah. like what 10 minutes or less what a great movie too oh, i mean yeah. overall you know what have I mean? have you so, seen double tap i've yeah. not Ooh, you got to see Double Tap. Man, my movie list is getting huge. I got to. What are you even <laughs> doing with your life? <laughs> Seriously. Stop raising kids and playing music. And stop yeah. being productive. Do you own a TV? <laughs> I do. Several. Obviously, yeah. I'm not using them in the correct fashion, so I need to <laughs> reevaluate. Uh, you need to upgrade that I'm, Zenith, buddy. <laughs> Seriously, man. I thought my, uh, you know, 16 incher was working, but, you know, I have to step my game up. <laughs> Can we um, isolate that uh, that sentence? <laughs> <laughs> well you know i don't like to brag but <laughs> hey no wonder he's not watching tv all right enough of that at, shenanigans at number seven a close number seven inching out zombie land by one single vote we have stripes yes yep that's actually exactly where i had it that's fitting mark you're notorious for your top 10 being very similar to the final top 10 that's, the total that's because i know what i'm talking about. you're the every man the every man <laughs> yeah so my lists i mean you know they're always accurate because uh, i've got the cheat sheet so <laughs> that's, that's what i'm going with i'm sticking with it well i'm going to give you one of my favorite scenes from the movie stripes uh, so you have the army recruiter Right. That's where for for those people that don't know the movie Stripes, that's where the name Stripes comes from. Uh, we have a couple of of well, they're kind of idiots that decide to join the the <laughs> army. Uh, so in this scene, my favorite scene, you have the army recruiter who says to Bill Murray and Harold Ramis's characters. Now, are either of you homosexuals? Bill's character, John, says, you mean like flaming or. And the recruiter cuts him off and says, well, it's a standard question I have to ask. And then the Russell character says, no, we're not homosexual, but we're willing to learn. <laughs> that, that's what I haven't seen in a long time. And I want to revisit because I'm John Candy's in that one, too. Yeah. And I feel like was- this whole list, like you could just put this on like a reel and just watch 
back to back, probably like, regardless of what the order. I already know it's going to be quality. So, because yeah. yeah, I think Stripes was like eighty one or 80, 81. So. I think it was nineteen eighty one. Yep. Yep. That brings us to number six on our list. Dun, dun, dun. And this is where this is where it starts to get juicy, my friends. <laughs> Absolutely. In the number six spot, we have the question: What about Bob? What about Bob? Uh, All the way down to six. Well, I, I have to question your guys' voting ability. Exactly I'm, where I had it as well. Of course, we're going to track this as we go man. through, gentlemen. Just saying. All right. So, what about Bob? <laughs> Maybe from top ten. Favorite comedies of mine. Lo- love the movie. So, uh, let's see. Released May 1991 on a budget of $39 million, Box office, $63 million. You guys remember, it's you know Bill Murray plays uh, Bob Wiley, who's yep. got all these different <laughs> phobias and things going on. <laughs> His first psychiatrist refers him to... Uh, Richard Drivers' character, Dr. Leo Marvin, who, you know, is kind of boastful and thinks he has this plan, uh, goes on his vacation for this month-long thing. Bill Murray tracks him down, and then just shenanigans erupt over this period <laughs> of, if you imagine this person with all these mental issues, just like being in your space and befriending your family and all this stuff, and it was one that... Even like I rewatched it, it's been a while ago, but I forgot the ending is kind of dark. <laughs> so, not to spoil it, but like, you know, there's a period where Bill Murray's about to get shot and blown up, you know? Yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> you know, a few close so, calls. I don't know. Can you do a spoiler alert on a movie from 1991? <laughs> you don't have to. It's, it's like we've said in, on other shows. If, if they've not watched the movie in 30 years, it's not happening. I don't know that it's happening. Maybe this countdown in some way will recommend and push yeah, and absolutely. urge someone to, to go yeah. see it. But I don't think you are under any obligation okay. to withhold any information. I think and it's we, wise, though, to just throw out spoiler alert and somebody can do a yeah, little quick, well, uh, we, you know, 60 we, we second fast forward. We won't disclose too much, but ultimately, yeah, it's a film just of. Yeah, Bill Murray just kind of getting in his head, which was played by, again, uh, Richard Dreyfuss. Um, there was all kinds of interesting stuff behind the scenes on this movie that I found doing. Our big re- big kid research team is on it. Um, I mean, Bill Murray just basically said he improvised tons of the on the film. Him and uh, Richard Dreyfuss did not get along at all on the film. Really? Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, there was like multiple reports of different things. Um, even I saw like Bill Murray, like, pushed up one of the producers in the lake, like through her <laughs> glasses. I mean, like it was like wow. anger stuff. And, um, you know, of course, Bill Murray says, I mean, my whole goal was to drive him nuts because that's what the film was. Yeah. But I mean, there he was lived in the character. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that, you know, just got out of hand. And I could also imagine, I mean, if you remember Richard Dreyfus, pretty big actor at the time, yeah. Bill Murray is kind of rising up. So you got two guys fighting for, you know, stealing the scene we've talked about with some of the Batman movies. So I'm yep. sure that added to it as well. And well, and yeah. I think, you know, I mean, the reality is with, with this list, there's a lot of movies that I looked at where you, <laughs> I love you, Bill. Don't take this the wrong way. 
there's multiple movies that talk about Bill Murray sometimes being a little difficult to work with on a few of the different movie sets, you know, and then obviously he's a pretty strong minded guy. And especially after being established, you figure somebody like that has the right to kind of put a stake in the ground a little bit, but you're right. I mean, Richard Dreyfuss, you definitely can't say he's an underrated actor, but he's a fantastic actor. You know, I mean like really good. And and he, obviously he had a, a string of good movies as well. But, you know, Bill Murray's role in that movie was to be as annoying as shit. And <laughs> he did it. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, that's- he, there was a quote uh, that uh, Richard Dreyfus did said, um, he said, funny movie, terribly unpleasant experience. We didn't get along me and Bill Murray, but I've got to give it to him. I don't like him, but he makes me laugh even now. And I'm also jealous he's a better golfer than I am. <laughs> there you go. Well, there you go. That'll make it- a lot of men jealous when the golf game lacks. It sounds to me a little bit like like Bill might be blaming his uh, some of his antics on on staying in character because I I heard him in one interview and he had a funny answer to something somebody asked him once if he was a method actor because I think one thing that we we might want to point out here and I hope I have this right I believe Bill Murray considers himself much more an actor than a comedian like he get kind of gets labeled as a comedian but but he doesn't look at himself that way he you know he he even says like the the difference between saturday night live and what they were doing on saturday saturday night live compared to other shows is that other shows were made up of comedians saturday night live especially when he was on was made up of actors uh yes they're comedic actors but um they're essentially mostly you know mainly consider themselves to be actors now why I say that it sounds to me like he's kind of blaming his antics on being a method actor or staying in character rather is in this interview, he was asked if he is a method actor, you know, and he says, no, I'm, I'm not a method actor. I don't, why would I stay in character after they stop filming? What, you know, what if I'm playing a murderer, am I going to shoot somebody after they stop filming? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's just interesting to see that in, you know, I have actually, like Mark said, found it on a couple of other films. But um, also on top of it, I read that both Richard Drives and Bill Murray said it was one of their favorite movies that they did personally. So even though they butted heads and didn't get along, they both really loved the final product. And completely off topic, I love the Jeep Wagoneer that Dr. Marvin oh, drove in. The, that yeah. 79 Jeep Wagoneer oh, yeah. Limited. Absolutely, I would love to have that. That thing was probably built like a tank. Well, they don't make they don't make cars like they used to. (laughs) Mark mentions movies that he should go and watch for the first time or go back and watch, and I think this is one for Big Nick to go back and watch because I didn't have What About Bob very high on my list, and this is one going into this operation that I knew I would probably have it lower on the list than most people, and the reason why I think I have this wrong is I think that I just watched it when I was too young. Maybe I didn't get some of the humor at the time, but um, there's, you know, some individuals that I very much like that, that often talk about things that I'm a big fan of, like Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm. And they're always referencing what about Bob? And so I'm like, I, you know, I think it's time for big Nick to go back and, and check out this movie again. and, And maybe I can fully appreciate it this time. There you go. Hey, and I got, I got two quick fun facts for you here. Hit me. Fun so fact remember, number one. You remember the the young boy that was played uh, uh, Ziggy, Siggy? 
his son. If, I don't know if you remember. Uh, it was played by Charlie Corsmo. Well, that dude was he was in Dick Tracy as a kid uh, in a couple. Oh other yeah, movies. the Dick Tracy kid. Oh, was he yeah. the Dick Tracy kid? Okay. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. Uh, so he was a child actor, stopped, and now dude is like a genius. So he got his bachelor's in physics from MIT, got his juris doctorate from Yale, and now he's an associate professor at Case Western Reserve. So wow, not a shabby resume. Dick Tracy kid. Yeah, knocking it out of the park. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting, and then that's cool. This I, this I didn't know. I'd have to rewatch to find. But if you guys remember, I think her name is Aida Turturro, which I believe is uh, John Turturro's. Yep, uh, it's a bunch of a bu- It might be a cousin. They have like that Turturro family has a whole bunch of yeah. actors in, in the family. But she is a background actor. But she's the prostitute that. That Bob gets to call his therapist from a payphone to find out where he's at in New Hampshire. <laughs> like I think she's even uncredited, but way deep track on that when you rewatch it. Wow. What was her yeah. first name? Aida, A I D A Taturo. Because I one of the Taturos is either married to or or it's a Tatura themselves that played the uh oh uh Tony Soprano's sister yeah, on the show. I, and I get a couple of them mixed up, so I don't yeah. know. But either way, I it was a little it's a deep track there on that one. That is so. a deep track. Very Ooh. deep. Ooh. All we right. Like deep tracks here. Absolutely. We like the deepness. Okay, here we go on to number five. <laughs> Coming in at number five, we have the one and only Caddyshack. Yeah. Oh, Caddyshack. I'm all right. <laughs> Don't nobody worry about me. Yeah, this one's a classic. It came out actually before I was even born in 1980, July 25th to be uh, exact. But, the day um, before you were born. Yeah, or or a year, almost a year, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it it made 3.1 million opening weekend. Went on to make 39 million in North America, 60 million worldwide. Which seems small, but I guess you kind of have to think like in terms of of the times you know what i mean though anytime we go back and we talk about these older movies i always have to kind of like equate what they made to you know you think of blockbusters today and it's like 300 million and yeah and the inflation from 1980 to 2010 is crazy so yeah exactly and just like the popularity of uh of that kind of stuff but uh but anybody who hasn't you know hasn't seen caddyshack Quick lowdown, Danny Noonan. He's a teen down on his luck. He works as a caddy. Yeah. He goes he goes on to be on Roseanne. Yeah. He plays Jackie's boyfriend or something. Oh, another deep track. Way to go, buddy. The brains on this guy. Yeah. Look at the brains on I know all kinds of useless information. So they work at the country club. It's the Bushwood Country Club to raise money for college education. And uh, there's just a lot of shenanigans. It's it's interesting with this one because so it was directed and co-written by Harold Ramis. So you had mentioned him in the kind of opening monologue, Big Nick. And uh, he's also the co-writer from Animal House, yep. National Lampoon's Animal House. Um, and it, it's funny when we talk about Bill Murray with this one, because he was actually only slated to be a small cameo in this movie. But they ended up filming him for six days, and then it turns out he ad-libbed a ton of his own lines. So it's like, and that, again, talk about themes with this list, the ad-libbing with Bill Murray 
is like a theme. You know what I mean? It's a thing where like he just takes his creative kind of, you know, prowess and is just like, you know what? Thank you for writing me lines. That was cute. I'm going to say whatever I want to say. <laughs> you know well, what I mean? And, like, And it shows you that they probably thought he was going to be on there for a couple of minutes. Yeah. It turned out to be, you know, 20 or 30 minutes just with, and like you said, if they shot all of his scenes in six days, you know, I mean, the rest of the movie probably took months. So, well, in the first cut that they did of this movie, when they actually started to edit it down was four and a half hours. And then they started to <laughs> struggle God. with how they were going, you know, how they were going to, put a narrative together because they were struggling. It, it, they said it kind of seemed like a, like a bunch of different uh, vignettes kind of put together. Like, you know, nothing that really like, yeah. The only glue that was story. The only glue holding them together is that they, all these different situations or scenes take place at or near a golf course. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And it was inspired by a lot of the guys that were the co-writers of, um, I think uh, the guy's name was, uh, Kenny, I'm blanking on his first name. I didn't make a note of it, but um, but he used to work at a country club. But it, a lot of this, they called it autobiographical. But it, it was a lot of stuff that they actually saw or were inspired oh, by sure. true things that they saw. And um, it, it's funny also that the star of this movie, in a way, is the Gopher, right? So <laughs> the Gopher, but the Gopher wasn't even added until like the very end of editing. And then they decided to use that as kind of like the overarching narrative that kind of, you know, goes on. And uh, they ended up making a mechanical Gopher, a guy named Jeff Burke for $5,000 made this mechanical Gopher. So you'll hear some people talk about like the quality of the scenes with the Gopher and without, and you don't see really Bill Murray in the same scenes with the oh, Gopher. Yeah. That's that's kind of why because a lot of it was kind of added, you know, ad hoc. Huh. But um, yeah, so. But anyway, I, I I got two more two fun facts that I know Nick, big Nick, mm-hmm. loves his fun facts. Mm-hmm. So the six Murray brothers in two thousand one actually opened a Caddyshack themed restaurant. I don't know if you guys knew that. That's a smart that idea. That's yeah. a smart idea at the World Golf Village in St. Augustine, Florida. So if you're down mm. there. Um, but it is designed to look and feel like a country club that has gone awry. And it's funny with like some of the menu <laughs> options. They've got the double bogey cheeseburger, the pulled pork sandwich, and the caddy shake. All right. So they got a bunch of stuff. And then on the walls, they've got pictures and quotes from the film and like little hidden gophers throughout the thing. And I guess from what has been said, you know, according to the the big kid research team, Bill Murray even stops in to do some karaoke sometimes. There you go. Oh, you stop in there, you may even see uh camp, camp out and hang out with Mr. old Murray. Old William maybe, Murray. Maybe, I wonder know, does a, a does road he trip guys to, to St. Augustine? Maybe we can catch up with Mr. Murray. Does he actually sing at the karaoke, or does he do the lounge singer bit that he did on Saturday Night Live? Like that was my favorite <laughs> Bill Murray yeah. skit on Saturday Night Live. Star Wars, Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) So last fun fact on this one, you guys remember the explosion that happens at the golf course? Yep. So (laughs) I don't know if you guys have heard this. This was probably the funniest thing to me. So there's obviously the climatic scene where they, you know, the gopher killing plastic explosives and knocks in Danny's putt. Um, So that was something that the owners of the golf course where they did the filming had no idea that they were actually going to do an explosion <laughs> on the golf course. Yeah. You can't right? tell them that. Yeah. So, they, so 
Yeah. So so that's that's bad, right? So here's a little clip. I'm just going to read it because it's 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 very uh, very interesting. So to pull off the effect, an artificial green was rigged with several incendiary packs and put into place between two of the fairways. So it said, you know, this was news to owners of the country club, and they made it cl- clear to the filmmakers that the climax could not be shot anywhere near their golf course. So to get them to comply, the producer, John Peters, invited them out for a swanky lunch from the country club to thank them for letting them use the location. Wow. Then oh. while they were away, Ramos had the special effects crew blow up the, f- the fake green. So they like lured the owners of the country club away from Did it them and dirty. Then set off the explosion at their golf course. And the fireball was so big that there was a pilot landing at nearby Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport that actually radioed in to air traffic control that he thought he saw a crash. Which you would like, think that's that, crazy. That there would be some lawsuits after the fact. and Right? Yeah. Yeah, but uh, you know they frown, they frown upon that now. <laughs> it was it was the eighties, you know, coming out of the seventies into the eighties. It's okay in the eighties. <laughs> we didn't we didn't just sue people, you know, left and right back then. We handled we our their, business in the streets. We blew their <laughs> shit up. We, we invited them out to lunch, and while they were gone, we blew their shit away. Yeah, that, I did them dirty. So um, we, we we have to mention Rodney Dangerfield is right? in the movie, and, yes, and he he's yes. spectacular. We have to mention Chevy the Chase. Chevy Chase. And you know what? Yeah. I'm not certain. Don't 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 quote me on this one, but I think that that movie was rated PG. And uh, that's a good question. And I, I want to say that it was PG and you, you, again, seventies going into the eighties. Look how PG has changed, man. That would never, because I think back <laughs> then there may not have been a PG 13 rating. I don't think that, they had come up that, with the 13 yet. I, that's a good question. Yeah. I, I don't if, remember going off of memory. There's a lot of smoking grass and, and some, Flesh and some other things that are shown yeah, it was in that actually movie. Actually, rated R. It was rated no, R. No. Oh, yeah. Well, then that makes more sense. You could that, yeah. let me walk that back. <laughs> <laughs> that's surprising though, because I didn't know that. I thought it was actually rated. Maybe PG that's just well, what your so. uh, Nick. That's what your dad told your mom. Like, oh, it's rated yeah. PG. <laughs> he can watch this. The first time I saw Die Hard, they're like, oh, that's rated PG. Don't worry about it. Nothing yeah, if just- anybody asks, it's PG. Bill Murray plays Carl Spackler, and one of my favorite scenes is when uh, uh, a character named Sandy says. I want you to kill every gopher on the course. And Carl says, check me if I'm wrong, Sandy, but if I kill all the golfers, they're going to lock me up and throw away the key. (laughs) (laughs) And then my favorite quote from the entire movie comes from Rodney Dangerfield, where he's, he points to a, uh, no respect. He's, he points to a woman and he says, Hey, you want to make $14 the hard way? (laughs) (laughs) No, he has so many good one-liners in that. Hey, kid, I'm Al Chervik. I'm playing with Drew Scott today. This is my guest, Mr. Wang. No offense. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I always joke. I would love to have his golf bag. Remember, the club just shoots right out of it, and (laughs) oh, he's got got like a boombox on it, and. It was that was actually one of his first uh, major movie releases, according to some of the research that I saw. That's, that's and he struggled one. a little bit with that environment. It wasn't something that he was used to. So it's interesting. 
Well, and he, I mean, he's not one of these comedy guys or stand-up comedians that naturally fits into an actor role. Like, you know what I mean? Like Rodney Dangerfield, his, his lifetime running bit was one-liners, you know, zing, zing and zang. Quick fires. Yeah. And, and that doesn't always translate well into, into acting, but his role on that movie, it worked. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. He could just go in there and be himself and which was a complete madman, but uh, he could just go in there and be himself. And he was, I mean, man, he was funny. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Caddyshack checking in at number five. That brings us to number four and it's another sports movie. Kingpin comes in at number four and that was close. That was a close, uh, a battle there between Caddyshack and Kingpin Kingpin inching out Caddyshack by, only two votes. So, man, all right. So my my list is a little shot to hell now because I had Kingpin <laughs> at five and I had Caddyshack higher than that. All right, that's all right. That's all right. We can recover. Still time. But uh, no, Kingpin's another classic one. I think this is one that it wasn't like a huge, big popular success. No. You know I what I mean? It like it, it kind of had a little more of like a cult. Following. Picked up steam, I feel like once it once you could watch it at home, right? When yeah. you could watch it with your with your loser friends, and that's who I watched it with. <laughs> and that's who I watched Only it with. My loser friends, and <laughs> yeah. we had great times watching Kingpin. Kingpin, oh, it was amazing, and it was one of those. You know, I mean, we've talked about in the past. God love all you critics out there, but uh, critics weren't too kind to this one. It yeah. wasn't one that they uh, well, know, but were. also. Or they weren't on. like it wasn't like Daniel Day Lewis. It's Kingpin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there's a place what do you say about Woody Harrelson and Randy Quaid and Bill there's Murray. A, there's a place for kind of loose, goofy comedies, you know. So those critics can sh- cram it, cram it up the cram hole. Is there True. a movie that has more bad haircuts in it than Kingpin? I think That's King- a great Kingpin like is loaded with bad well, haircuts. You're right because. Uh, Woody Harrelson at the end's got that weird hair. Big Earn's got the weird hair, and then uh, what's Randy, his name? Randy, Randy Quaid. Quaid's got that weird like he's, comb like, down yeah, thing. he's got this, an Amish haircut of some yeah. sort. Well, and, and it, with it was uh, like long and curled out at the bottom, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, with uh, I know with Woody Harrelson, he actually shaved out a part of the back of his head <laughs> and then grew the comb over. But I guess he wasn't willing to go the part of. Uh, of uh, gaining a bunch of weight. I guess he's a vegan. I didn't really know that until I looked into the movie a little bit. But uh, so everyone, they used a, everyone in Hollywood is. Yeah, they used a fake belly for the uh, old beer belly that he had because it was a solid beer belly. But um, why not just but, drink beer for a month and get the belly? Right? Exactly. He could have done it other ways. You know what I mean? That's how, if I were an actor, that's how I put in the work. I can yeah. put in the work, my friends. <laughs> well, and it's it's interesting because, and we've talked about this on a past episode, but so. It's funny how it comes to Bill Murray on this because Randy Quaid wasn't the first option they had for Ishmael. So they had Chris Farley mm. as an option for Chris or for Ishmael, but he was tied up. It was right after Tommy boy. He was tied up and then he was slated to do with Paramount black sheep. So he couldn't do this movie. So then they got Randy Quaid and then Randy Quaid is actually the one who kind of ended up being a blessing because he's the one that actually got Bill Murray to agree to come on to the movie. So a little oh. bit of an interesting kind of like must turn be of from events. their work together on uh, Quick Change. Yeah, it all it. comes back around. It all comes back, back to around. Quick Change. It always comes back. <laughs> quick Change. 
So yeah, it's um, it's kind of interesting. But this was another one where Murray did a ton of ad libbing, including I know you guys remember the commercial for the kids. <laughs> oh my! God. He's got his hand all over the mom's butt. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's oh, like it's for like needy children but he's like hitting on the moms and like it's oh, so inappropriate uh, he ad-libbed supposedly a ton of the lines for that commercial which is like one of the about funniest that. parts of the whole movie actually if you're not going to watch the movie just google that commercial because it's you're Seriously. right he's like he's like these kids need help too and he's like Got his hand on the mom's butt and he's like hugging her. <laughs> it's so, so inappropriate. But it is kind of funny because obviously it's a bowling movie. So Kingpin, if you didn't get that from the title. Um, and, you know, Bill Murray was actually a really good bowler. So like for him to come in, Woody Harrelson supposedly was terrible. They had to have a bowling coach come in. But Bill Murray, and again, we talked about this on a previous episode, but the three strikes that he bowls was him. And it it nailed it. And the crowd that was there actually was rooting for Bill Murray. In the movie, obviously, they're supposed to be rooting for Big Earn. But the fact that he hit three in a row, the crowd goes, so he's he's a superstar, not only as the character, but also as himself doing uh, doing his own stunts, as you could call it. You can call me Earn or Big Earn. Big Earn. (laughs) Well, and that's interesting. You know, they always say, like, uh, write what you know. But it it seems like act what you know as well. Because Bill Murray was a caddy when he was a kid. And then he's in Caddyshack as an adult. And I even heard him say that uh, he loved and really enjoyed being a caddy when he was young. Because, he, he, you know, he would follow around these these men on the golf course. And he said it kind of taught him how to be as a man and how not to be as a man. You know, the qualities of these individuals that he caddied for that he liked, he's tried to, you know, it kind of molded him in that way. And the the qualities of them that he didn't like molded him in a different way. Oh, you can learn, you can learn a lot watching a guy struggling at golf and how he manages himself (laughs) or and how much he tips you after the day and how he treats you, you know, being a child carrying the clubs and all that. Well, you know, I mean, there's quite a few golfers that are successful. So if you, you know, end up being an understudy for some of those guys. So the only fun fact I'll throw out for this one, uh, and this actually is not related to Bill Murray, but I just, I got to mention this. So Paul Simon, I'm sure you guys are familiar with him. Oh, did, you guys he, remember? He, did he create the game Simon? Yes, <laughs> that was him. Beep, beep, beep. That's his best work. You guys remember the scene where Munson the old sex for rent deal that uh, <laughs> undertakes. I think you knocked something loose. <laughs> <laughs> so Paul Simon thought that scene was so hilarious that he personally approved the use of Simon and Garfunkel's song, The Sound of Silence. <laughs> so, Paul Simon, we salute you yes, for yes, you acknowledging one of the funniest scenes in that entire movie and Cheers, donating your song. Probably not for free, but. Uh, I call him Al. But, uh, yeah. is, I mean, is there a better song to, uh, you know, to be playing as somebody's heaving over a toilet? I don't know. <laughs> that, one is, that one is a good movie. I love it. Yeah. Classic. Classic. Oh, good movie. Good number five. Number four. Or four. Two. Number four. Even better. Even better. It, it would have right. been a great number five. So great right. that we had to put it to number four. Shoehorned it up to four. 
All right, that's going to lead us to our top three. So how about a quick little recap? We had a three-way tie for number nine with Lost in Translation, Meatballs, and Quick Change. Coming in at number eight, we had Zombieland. Number seven, Stripes. Number six, What About Bob? Number five, Caddyshack. And number four, Kingpin. That brings us to number three. Coming in at number three with 23 votes, we have... One of my favorite Christmas movies of all time, Scrooged. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. (laughs) Scrooged is the 1980s version of Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol. Murray did the movie after a four-year break from showbiz following the success of Ghostbusters and the failure of a movie titled The Razor's Edge. The production was rife with conflict between Murray and director Richard Donner. So we're kind of hearing an uh, ongoing theme here. Is there a theme? In a 1990 interview with Roger Roger Ebert, Murray said that Scrooge could have been a really, really great movie. He says the script was so good. Donner kept telling me to do things louder, louder, louder. I think he was deaf. End quote. Later, Bill admitted to feeling pressure from being the solo star of a film compared to previous productions like Ghostbusters. So, and this is one thing I didn't really put together until hearing Bill talk about it, but he was saying that his role in Scrooge required him to be on set every single day, which was, uh, which was far and away from what he did in like Caddyshack and even Ghostbusters where there's other stars, right? And, and he's, he's sharing the spotlight with these other stars. So he doesn't have to be on set every day. He only has to be there for the, the scenes that they're filming that, that contain him. And I think he, this is one of those ones that I feel like it turned out to be a great movie, regardless of his feelings at the time. And I feel like this is one of those situations. Look, we've all been there where we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. We, you know, be it at work or wherever, and the pressure gets to us a little bit. And while others might not see it or understand it on the inside, we, we got a lot of stuff going on. And I wonder if that's what happened here in this situation. Now, the director, Richard Donner, was more positive about their relationship, describing Murray as superbly creative, but occasionally difficult. Donner said that Murray was always in a working mindset on set, believing it made him tired. And Donner said that he had not worked with an improvis. This is a hard word for me to say. Improvisational comedian like Murray before who ad-libbed many of his lines saying, quote, you don't direct Murray, you pull him back. Now, Bill Murray said that, quote, being the meanest person in the world as Frank Cross, that was his character, Frank Cross and Scrooge, mm-hmm. he says was fun. He described his challenge as having an edge, but then completely, uh, Completing Cross's transformation into a decent person at the end of the movie, Murray said, being a decent person is not that hard, but acting like one is. (laughs) (laughs) It was quite a transformation in that movie, though. I mean, if you think about the way that he starts and the way, you know, with the Christmas party and the kind of the whole way the thing kicks off and just his attitude and the way it progresses, I think is kind of, you know, honestly, what, what makes the Scrooge story you know, they're kind of that Christmas story in in and of itself. You know, with that that generic character. You know, um, 
attractive, but with Scrooge, I think Bill Murray definitely pulled it off in spades. Yeah. So Frank Cross was the basically the Ebenezer Scrooge yep. character for this movie. Now, the movie was released in November of 1988, the day before Thanksgiving, just in time for the holiday season. The budget was $32 million, and it made over $100 million at the box office. Boom. Um, one of my favorite scenes is when Frank Cross's, uh, former boss who, who I believe was the CEO before Frank became the CEO. And so this is kind of a guy that hired him, a guy that he looked up to and a guy that he worked for. Now he's, he's taken over that role of CEO and Lou Hayward is the the character's name. He's passed away. And remember we see like his, his, um, afterlife, undead kind of version of yep. Lou Hayward. He's, he's, he's still in his like golf outfit. And, um, he says to Frank cross, he says, I was a captain of industry feared by men adored by women. And Frank cross says adored. Come on, let's be honest, Lou, you paid for the women. <laughs> uh, that's just an incredible movie. And that's one that I recommend that everybody watch, uh, any time of year, but especially, during the holiday season. Yes. Great movie. And we obviously talked about it in our Christmas episode. So it's, it's a, it's an amazing, amazing film. That it is. All right. <laughs> Moving on to number two. This is the movie that won't stop. The, <laughs> uh, and you know what, what's interesting about this one is I'm really, I'm kind of surprised after we hear about Murray's experience on set of Scrooge and the pressure he felt of being like the main star and having to be on set every single day, this, this movie seems really odd to sign up for because not only are you on set every day, but you're doing the same scene over and over again and having to react differently to it every single time. And that of course is the brilliant movie called Groundhog Day. Yes, yes. Well, and to chime with that, I have a feeling part of it was tied with, it was also directed by Harold Ramis, Mm -hmm. his buddy. So there's a lot of ties there. Um, And also, as much as we talk about difficulty working, if they start throwing around large sums of money, there's people will endure some stuff. But uh, Groundhog Day, awesome film. That was, uh, see, released uh, February 93. Budget of anywhere from fourteen to thirty million. They are very vague on the budget, uh, but box office one hundred and five million. So still a good investment. But spoiler alert: if you haven't seen Groundhog Day, <laughs> it's, it's a it, it's a time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. it just came out last week. No, I'm just kidding. And I just in general, I really enjoy these kind of like time loop films. So it's one where you know he wakes up and you actually catch him learning about being in a time loop. So day one, he's like, wait, what the hell? This just happened yesterday. And, and it just progresses. And then there's kind of like these speeded up scenes of him doing stuff. But he's trying to figure out, A, why he's in this. And then starting to realize that there's no consequences, he starts to get a little, little, little saucy in terms <laughs> of he's like, I can eat whatever I want. I can sleep with women i can rob banks i can do dangerous stuff and drive drunk and run from the cops um and then to wake up and there's no consequences uh, ultimately he starts to become depressed to the point where then he's like trying to kill himself and do real sketchy things and then the arc of 
all right, well, if I have this time, he actually starts doing positive things. So he, you know, is helping people and like he helps a kid fall off a tree and does these, you know, helps old lady fix their tire and, you know, all these things. But love that movie, love all that stuff. Um, and at the end, things just work out. As they tend to in these, uh, but this was a movies. this was another one. There was a lot of interesting things behind the scenes. I mean, just the writing of the script. Just, I mean, I I couldn't even probably try to relate it all. But the original idea came to the writer initially was Danny Rubin. Uh, he was reading uh, Anne Rice's book, The Vampire Lestat, and that's what gave him the initial idea of like someone that. You know, if you can live forever, like you have no consequences, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so, and obviously, I'm sure there's a million twists of that, but it turned into the script that now we have as uh, uh, ugh, Groundhog Day. But when we talked about Bill Murray being a little difficult, right? So apparently, that was also the case on this film, um, even to the point <laughs> oh, where, Bill. I, yeah, and. Again, whether it was him or just, I think there was some creative butting of heads between him and Harold Ramis. And uh, actually, Big Kid Research Team was all over this one. That um, I mean, they had been friends all the way back to, I think, Saturday Night Live. And at some point, Bill Murray stopped speaking to him, and they didn't talk for like 20 years after wow. this film. <laughs> um, only, and they finally, I guess, started talking, but Harold Ramis was on his deathbed and passed away due to... Uh, some pretty serious health issues in 2014. Damn, that's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah. And it's, I didn't know that either. until so, I mean, luckily we got this great research team that's all over this stuff, but. Uh, well, Groundhog Day co-stars the very lovely Andy McDowell as well. Always been underrated one of the actress. I think. Oh, very yeah. underrated. And she's, she's as beautiful as she is talented. My friends. <laughs> She's been doing hair commercials for like 20 years, and I swear she's not aged. It, yeah. She looks like she's two months older than when she did uh, Groundhog Day. So she, whatever she her got, secret is, maybe I need to buy that shampoo that she's selling. Write it down. <laughs> yes. So I, well, I, I, I think, isn't his brother in this movie as well? So well, his brother's in all of his movies, but yes, his brother plays yeah. the town mayor, yeah. um, which he actually performs the Heimlich on. <laughs> Actually, a whole other thing. If you guys go back to What About Bob, he does the Heimlich maneuver in What About Bob too. So, oh yeah, boom! Look at that! Look at that! Uh, but link. but I, I'm going to hit you with a bunch of fun facts on this one, Big Nick. Get ready to blow your mind. Mm, preparing the mind for so, blowing. First one, I didn't know this. This was brought to me. So, you guys know the actor Michael Shannon? Mm. He he's when you see him, you know who he is. He's been in bunch of movies i like that's um, right michael shannon when i see you i will know who you I are i will know you well if you don't know who he is then it's not gonna help but he was <laughs> at the end of the film there's a couple that he like gives them like wrestlemania tickets to or something that was him and apparently on the set uh like michael shannon was very new to acting and he saw bill murray listening to uh like one of his favorite bands the talking heads mm-hmm so he went up and, of course, kind of like Goofy is like, hey, do you like that band? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and Bill Murray, of course, responded with some smart-ass response right? And to the point where Michael Shannon actually told the director, and the director made Bill Murray apologize to him. <laughs> oh. Wow. <laughs> so it was kind of like a double whammy of like, ouch. 
Um, yeah, that's that's not good. Apparently, the groundhog bit Bill Murray three different times <laughs> while filming. <laughs> the groundhog's name was Scooter. Just so you know, I got the fake gopher like uh, Punks Tony Phil. His real name was uh, so, Scooter. So, huh? No, they. So I actually I saw this too. So, uh, Punxsutawney. The people from Punxsutawney were actually upset that they didn't use him. Um, mm. And they were upset because they didn't film it in Puxatani. They filmed it in somewhere in like uh, I have it. Oh, in, in Woodstock, Illinois. So they didn't let him use them use the real groundhog. So they actually, <coughs> excuse me, the the groundhog actually was just trapped out in the wild a few weeks before filming. Oh wow! We got a, yeah. just a completely old move wild groundhog, yeah, which is why it bit <laughs> Bill Murray. Because again, I guess they the initial plan was to film and in Punxsutawney, but it just didn't have the right feel and setup for, you know, making a movie there. Well, and and I remember that you know you said it's a, a fun fact, but it's one that I remember because I distinctly remember Mr. Murray after he was bit the second time by this wild rabid groundhog, he shouted at Harold Ramis and said. If this thing bites me one more time, I'm not talking to you for 20 years. And man, can that guy, he, he sticks wow. to his word. He yeah. sticks to his word. Yeah. yeah. I think he had to get a rabies shot. I, I don't know if that's a fact, but wow. But, um, what was the one thing? So in the actual town of Woodstock, if you guys remember the, uh, Ooh, that's a doozy. When he steps in the huge puddle, <laughs> they actually, they have a plaque there that says, it says Bill Murray stepped here. So I thought that. Do was they cool. still have the pothole? Is it I like is that's the pothole that you do not fill in? I don't know if the pothole's still there, but there's a plaque right before where the pothole was. So good question. Hmm. But the one thing I was interested about is so people would ask Harold Ramis, they're like, "How long was this loop actually happening?" You know, because you know how they kind of fast forward where at the end he's like a master piano player and he uh, <laughs> he can uh, he sculpts out of ice and can do all these things and speaks little different <laughs> languages. So at one point he 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 said an estimate of ten years, but refuted that and said it was more like thirty to forty years. Um, but they actually thought that it could have been something like ten thousand years because of all the skills that he learned. Wow. Yes. I never thought to check into that. Well, can wow. you think about like, I mean, just, all right. So how long would it take you to be, to learn the piano in, you know, if you only have one day at a time? Well, the average man, probably many years, but, but big <laughs> Nick, uh, you know, week. Yeah. Oh, they're going to say Bill Murray, big Nick. <laughs> Two yeah. Weeks, yeah. So, but that, it's just, it's interesting to think about that. Like, they don't, you in the movie, you kind of gather, it's like a handful of weeks, but it's like, no, it could have been, you know, I learned how to of, swim in 30 seconds. <laughs> That's good because otherwise you wouldn't be here. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I love Groundhog Day, and it's one that I don't know why it's not on TV more. It's yeah, a great movie. That's kind and, of surprising. And you could even though it's Groundhog Day, it's done in the winter, so you could that could be a little post Christmas movie if you want to sprinkle that in there. You know, well, and if you cannot stand the song by Sonny and Cher. I got you, babe. You're not going to like this movie because I believe it's playing on the alarm clock damn near every day that he wakes up. You are correct, sir. 
Oh, this has nothing to do with the movie, but everything to do with Groundhog Day. But it's one of my favorite scenes from The Office when Jim (laughs) asks, they they have something that they're trying to schedule. And he asks Michael Scott, how about Groundhog Day? And Michael Scott says, Jim, you know, I celebrate privately. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that scene. Classic Michael Scott. Yeah. Watch yourself some Groundhog Day. Made it to number two. I. I actually had that as my number one film, so I'm disappointed in you gentlemen, but I'll let it slide. Okay, so as far as the voting goes, we there was a big jump from three to two, right? There's a, a bit of a space. So Scrooge come, comes in with 23 votes, and Groundhog Day finishes with 28 votes. Number one came in with 29 votes. So oh. a very close. It was a race to number one, and this, this movie won. Yeah, one by a nose. So coming in at number one, we have just one of the most iconic movies, I believe, of my childhood, Ghostbusters. I feel like Ghostbusters needs no explanation, but no I introduction. Will, I will humor you. <laughs> I will give you one. <laughs> yeah, th- this is one of the very best Halloween movies you of all time. And again, you can enjoy this any time of year. It's the 1984 supernatural comedy directed and produced by Ivan Reitman and written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. It stars Bill Murray, Aykroyd, and Ramis as Peter Vankman. That's Bill Murray's character. Ray Stance and Egon Spangler. The three star a ghost catching business, or better, we say ghost busting business in New York City. The film also stars the beautiful Sigourney Weaver. This was before she had the alien baby, I believe. And also the hilarious Rick Moranis. One interesting factoid here, boys, is Dan Aykroyd originally wrote Ghostbusters as a project starring himself and John Belushi in which they would adventure through time and space battling supernatural threats. Sadly, the great John Belushi died in 1982, and that's when they brought in Harold Ramis. He was hired to help rewrite the script and set it in New York City and make it more realistic. So the original story that Aykroyd put together was almost something you couldn't film. Right, you're traveling through space and time, and it, it's really hard for the viewers to to kind of follow. So, uh, how it was originally written by Dan Aykroyd is not as we anything like we know it to be today. Um, this was a movie that had a budget of thirty million dollars, which apparently Columbia Pictures was very concerned about the relatively high thirty million dollar budget well, for eighty four. That's up there, you know. And again, actors that aren't. Who was the huge name in that movie, if you think about it, at the time? Right. And yeah. they're con- they're concerned about this $30 million budget, and they have little faith in its box office potential. Well, turns out the idiots over at Columbia were just dead wrong because Ghostbusters made over $295 million at the box office. Plus, I would be curious to see the uh, merchandising stuff. T-shirts and mm-hmm. all the little toys. I think I remember having little Ghostbuster toy things even back then. So Ray Parker Jr. said it best. Busting makes me feel good. So $295 <laughs> million. Uh, and you know what? I, I got to see that new Ghostbusters movie. Uh, I want to see yeah. that one. By the time I, this thing comes out, it's going to be an old go- Ghostbusters yeah, movie. But, but, yeah. but yes, I heard that was good. So no, yeah, I love some Ghostbuster. Um, even this like, Paul like, Rudd, which is yeah, and tell me if I 
Not wrong. How bad did you want one of those proton blasters or whatever they were called oh, as a of kid? Course. Oh, of yeah. course. Of course. I mean, if, if they had I remember one having now, like a fake one as a kid that like we oh, used to did mess you? with and play with. You know what I mean? The one that had like like they sold the toy that was very yeah. similar to Man, it. Man, your your parents must have loved you. Yeah. <laughs> Only slightly. <laughs> my one of my Just favorite joking, scenes and and one of I think Mom. the most hilarious scenes is is right in the beginning of the movie when Peter Vakeman, uh Bill Murray's character, is testing the young man and the young woman to see if they can read his mind and no <laughs> and no matter what the man no matter what the woman answers he tells her that she got the right answer and no matter what the man answers he zaps him he electrocutes him <laughs> with that little with that little zapper thing and that that scene in itself is is just hilarious and that's a great great movie I, I think that that is like a timeless kind of movie, right? And there's it so is. many good scenes. The, really the Slimer scene, the uh, the 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 haunted bookshelves in the library. Um, Stay Puft Marshmallow don't cross, Man. That's, don't cross you know, the streams. Don't cross the streams. <laughs> yeah, no, that's and that's one that I haven't seen in a few years as well. Like I'd kind of like to pull that one out and yeah. give that a little viewing. Well, and that's a uh, uh, Rick. Rick Moranis has got a great character in that movie too. Um, they have those like demon demon dogs that are roaming the halls and chasing people, and he and he he's throwing the party, uh, and he, he he's like, "Who brought the dog?" <laughs> but uh, I forgot about that. That's, that's a great list. We we put together a great list here, boys. That's the top ten of Bill Murray's uh, some of his finest works. And, um, you know, out of all 10 of those movies, I, I didn't hear one time that he was difficult to work with. Um, so that, (laughs) that's great. If he, if he listens to this, I'm sure he will agree. Um, the problem was not bill. It was you. Um, so check yourself (laughs) at the door. Um, Yeah. A, A few honorable mentions here. Uh, ones that finished just outside of the top 10. So this, we actually will go to number 12 because remember we had a three-way tie for number nine. So number 12 was the Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou or Zissou. Yes. And uh, number 13, St. Vincent. Number 14, the Royal Tenenbaums. Number 15, tie for number 15, we have Rushmore and On the Rocks. Wow. Yeah, see, I I had uh, St. Vincent a little higher than you guys, uh, and same with Rushmore and the Royal Tenenbaums, but my my movie tastes are a little more advanced than your guys'. Oh, so. that's what we're calling that's, it. Advanced. That's exactly what I was thinking, too. Yes. Yeah. Um, a couple things here. I've never seen Rushmore or On the Rocks, um, so that's rec- my I, bad. I recommend the Rush, Rushmore very much. Uh, Jason Schwartzman. Is plays the young kid in it. Okay. And again, Bill Murray doesn't have a huge role, but I think it's one of those very dry comedy films, yeah. just like the Royal Tenenbaums. Like the first time I saw the Royal Tenenbaums, I was like, oh my God, this is my humor. It's just real dry and flat, but I love it. And one that you didn't mention, I got to bring up, which is also in that same realm, is uh, Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. I, I guess I kind of blanked on that one. Forgot about it. So he is a role that, it's, again, it's a minor role, but also Bruce Willis is in it. Um, and it's, again, just, just real dry humor. And then it's by the that, same guy that did Royal Tenet uh, Bumps. Yeah. Well, uh, Wes Anderson, I believe. Yeah. 
Um, and, and then one, one that I I thought you guys might sneak in there was Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, and you know what? I, I kind of did here with um, Ghostbusters 2 and um, Zombieland Double Tap. I didn't, I purposely didn't put them into my top 10 because I, I kind of, uh, because just them being sequels, they deserve, I, I mean, I like them as well as, as any other movie uh, in, in the top 10 or toward the bottom of the top 10 anyway. But um, it, for me, like St. Vincent is a great movie. Just it, we only have room for 10. You know what I mean? Uh, like it, uh, and, and that's, a lot of good movies. Yeah. And that's why we have our rating system because, you know, otherwise it would just be the same 10 films. So I, I love that you guys yeah. put in what you did and Nick, your, your, uh, computer is functioning at high speed. High speed. Yeah. On the rocks was, uh, I might've been, I probably was the only one to put that on there. And that was one that actually my wife had, um, recommended, you know, me and her watch. And I, I looked at it and I was like, all right, this kind of looks like a little bit of a chick flick, but let's watch it. It's got Bill Murray and it actually Whip. has Marlon Wayans and it has Rashida Jones from the office uh, fame. And Bill Murray is the father of Rashida Jones in that movie. And she thinks that Marlon Wayans is cheating on her. And basically the whole movie is her and her dad trying to investigate Marlon Wayans. <laughs> And if I've you never, can imagine the smart ass dry humor of Bill Murray throughout the movie, it makes it worth the watch. Honestly, it's it's it was a good movie. It was it was funny. Do you Very Mark, funny. you know about when that came out? It was new at uh, 2020. I think it was just oh, uh, oh, real new. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was real. That's why I didn't know if you guys even would would have it on there. I think I I think I saw it on Amazon. See, I um, wonder if I wonder if that was one that it. got lost amid COVID. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, so I, I'd it, never even heard of it. So I would recommend it. I mean, it was it was funny. Like it really it really surprised me. It was it was a funny movie, and uh, obviously you know Marlon Wayans is a funny guy, but he takes a little role outside. But Bill Murray is just. I think the reason I liked it and the reason I put it on my list is it's literally Bill Murray being classic Bill Murray, which is just. I think that's the best way I can think to put it. So it was a good one. Quality, quality interjection there, buddy. Well, I do. here's an honorable mention straight from the man's mouth here, right? Here's a Bill oh. Murray recommendation. I heard him say in an interview, quote, broken flowers was the best thing I've ever done. I've read about that one. I haven't seen it. I've never seen, seen it. it I've never seen it. Did your voice just crack there, I'm Peter Brady? Sure my <laughs> voice just went up like seven octaves for a second there. It's okay, Mark. But, uh, but no, <laughs> on the Big Kid Show, we're still going through puberty. Hey, yeah, I'll be 14 <laughs> next year. So, yeah, you have know. you had the talk yet? Have you had the talk? Rever yet? Reverse of 14, but you know, close enough. <laughs> Garth just got his pubes. <laughs> Swing. Did you tell him about my pubes? <laughs> Swing. <laughs> Still oh. one of the greatest movie quotes of all time. Oh, no. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> we should probably wrap this up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. Hey, follow us on social media, like and subscribe, or whatever it is you're supposed to do to this show. Follow us, that thing, and uh, give us a five star review. And come back and see us next week right here in the treehouse. We are the big kids. <laughs>